I remember it almost as if it was yesterday. And it seems that God chooses young people to do something that grown-ups can't do. I was uh, working at a company named Buffalo Weaving and Belting in Buffalo, New York. It was established in 1896, and um, it was a company that made uh, industrial woven products and sheet rubber and gasket. So it had rubber products and textile products. And I started working there right out of college, and I was a supervisor in the fabricating department, and I had 28 women working for me. I learned a lot of lessons there. I never had 28 moms before. But one day I got a call to go down to Charlie Johnson's office. He was the, he was the president of Buffalo Weaving and Belting, and he sat me down across from the desk, and I walked in, and I wondered, what did I do wrong? And he said, Rick, he was an old Navy pilot in World War II, and he said to me, he gave me a challenge. He said, do you want to do diddly squat with the rest of your life, or do you want to accomplish something? He gave me a challenge, and I'll never forget that. He was the first man that really believed in me because I grew up without a dad. Well, he said to me, I want you to be the manager of research and development. We don't have a department for research and development yet. I want you to be the head of it. And I said, but I don't know anything about rubber and plastics and and textiles, and he said, that's exactly the point. You don't know that it can't be done. God has a funny way of working through the insignificant to accomplish great things. <laughs> and I want to go back about 3,000 years ago to a man named David who became a great king, and boy, a, 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 a person who made some great mistakes. But as was mentioned, he loved the heart of God. He understood so much about what his relationship with, with God was. And so Israel was a brand new nation. They had a brand new king named Saul. And they had an archenemy. The Philistines. Can you all say the Philistines? Oh, the Philistines. And the Philistines were, were very dominant. And what they would do is they would raid into Israel around harvest time and take their food and take their, their animals and all of the things that they had worked hard all year producing so that they could live through the winter. And the Philistines, can we hear it? the Philistines, they would come into the country and they would take whatever they wanted. And then the worst of the worst happened. They organized an army and came into Israel. And this is what happened. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle. Well, King Saul had his army as well. He gathered gathered Israelites from around the country to face the Philistines. And this is what happened. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills. 
with the valley between them. They had this neutral ground, and here they are facing each other. And this is a serious situation, and they're all terrified. The Israelites are just overwhelmed. But the Philistines had a secret weapon, a secret weapon that struck terror in the hearts of the Israelites. Our heroes, the Israelites, were just absolutely paralyzed. And this is what happened each day. They came together because their secret weapon was Goliath. Can we say, Goliath? Oh, say it, Goliath. Oh, come on, wake up, church. Goliath, yeah. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks, and he was not hard to spot. He faced the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Nine feet tall. This man was imposing. This man was terrifying. I, you know, and I, I, wonder about, I wonder about Goliath. I mean, when he was born, his poor mother. When he was born, he must have been a gawky kid. Uh, oversized, awkward. He, he probably got made fun of by his friends. Until he got big and mean and angry. And all of a sudden, people were afraid of him. Because who could, who could touch this guy? You couldn't even hit him in the chin. Goliath was an imposing force. Now he was popular. But his, his friends all feared him. You wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of Goliath of Gath. I mean, let me tell you, this guy was mean and here he does something each day for 40 days for 40 days every morning and evening the philistine champion who goliath goliath the champion strutted in front of the israelite army and basically what he was telling them was Hey, why should we have a big battle, your forces against our forces? Instead, choose your champion to come out and face me. No one came for 40 days. The Israelite forces were demoralized, they were terrified. They didn't know what to do. Even King Saul, who was supposed to be their champion, was tall and strong, was terrified. The army of Israel was on the sidelines. They were not participating. They were not part of this. They were just showing up. But no one was ready to engage the enemy. They just stayed on the sidelines, putting in an appearance, just showing up. You know, that's a lot like life, isn't it? There are a lot of people who just kind of show up, but they don't participate. They don't get engaged. They don't have skin in the game. They are just also rans. They don't care enough to take the risk. So what was going to happen? How could this situation be resolved? 
I'll tell you one thing. The one thing that was not on the hearts and minds of the Israelites is that their God was the living God, the most powerful being in the universe, and that they belonged to Him. That wasn't on their mind. You see, when trouble comes so often, our default mode is to rely on ourselves, and we always find that we're lacking. We are not enough. We're not enough. And so the consequences of getting in the game are scary. And so it feels safer to sit on the sidelines. David, his father Jesse, says, Your brothers, three brothers, are away fighting the Philistines. Take this food and take a special treat for their commander so that he shows them favor. Take this food to your brothers. David comes away from the flock. They leave it in charge of another shepherd. David, this young boy, takes the lunch (laughs) and supplies to his brothers, who mocked him. They thought nothing of him. And David asked the soldiers when Goliath came out, who? Goliath came out. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Then you can almost see him with his hands on his hips saying, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? David is indignant. He's got righteous indignation against this Philistine who defies the armies of God. Who is that guy? He didn't see his size. He just saw someone who was defying his God. Someone who was was striking terror in the hearts of those around. All those participants who were sitting on the, sho- on the shelves. And David, David had courage. David was set apart in that very statement because <laughs> word got back to Saul. Hey, Saul, there's this kid who says he wants to stand up against Goliath. And Saul says, bring him to me. And he says, Saul says to David, what can a little guy like you do to this giant. And David says, I am a shepherd. I take care of sheep. And I, I defend my sheep. I have killed a bear. I have killed a lion defending my sheep. And I will defeat this Philistine. Well, Saul gives a human response. He says, well then, okay, we can't do anything else. Take my armor. And David puts on the armor, and he's pretty clanky in it. It's really way oversized for him. And Saul gives him a sword. And you know, the Philistines only were the only ones who could work iron in that time. And so there were only two swords in all of Israel. Saul had one, and his son Jonathan had the other. Saul gave him his armor. David's kind of clanking around in that. It's probably rattling. 
probably the breastplate is hitting his shin plates. And he says, I can't fight in this. You know, right there we, we learn a lesson. He's, we, we can't fight in other people's armor. We have to have the armor that God has prepared for us. And David sheds that armor and he heads out to the battlefield. And what we see next in this, in this terrible confrontation is all of the participants are there watching. And just to give you an idea of what David was facing, Nate, I have a volunteer named Nate. Can we give a hand to Nate? Come on up here. Now, I had to measure this, and I got challenged to make it authentic. So, I needed an extra step. All right. Nate, I would like you to stand right there. As, as you know, you are playing the part of David. It, doesn't he look great? Yeah. All right. So, this... One more step here. All right, you ready? Whoop, there we go. This is what David was looking at. Do you feel my imposing presence? Do I look terrifying to you? Now you can imagine that, that, Saul, or that uh, Goliath had big vocal cords. So when he talked, it was loud. And Saul said to David, Am I a dog that you should send this child to fight me? I tell you the truth. This day I will take your life and you will be food for the vultures. <laughs> All right, you can go back to your seat. Thank you. And so it was that David walked out into the plain, into the battlefield, facing Goliath. He was convicted and had the Spirit of God resting upon him. And he was not afraid. That's what God does. When, when you follow God, you can be sure that a giant will appear. When you make the determination to follow God to wherever he leads you, you can be certain that a giant will appear. But God specializes in defeating giants. This is how a sling works. There is sound. Now, silence. now on to the sling stones. Ammo consistency has a huge impact on accuracy. So first you want to collect smooth round pebbles from streams and creek beds. Then group them by size. 
the larger fist-sized pebbles and the smaller quail egg-sized pebbles should be discarded. Only the medium-sized stones are kept for practice. Your mind must be completely clear. Try not to think about anything when slaying. Distracting thoughts absolutely kills accuracy. When aiming, keep both eyes open and look at the target. Try to focus on a small point on the target. If there isn't one, then imagine a point at the target's center of mass. Now you need to look into the target. Your eyes must lock onto the point on that target. When the cast happens, every part of your body will be in motion. But that lock between your eyes and the target must never be broken or you'll miss. After nearly a year and 30,000 casts, I can now hit a small game-sized target three out of every four tries at 30 feet and one out of every two tries at 45 feet. Anyways, thanks so much for watching. So, the drama is set. David walks into the field. And just as we've seen, he walked and stooped down and picked up five stones from the ground from a dry creek bed. Round stones. In his practiced hand, he could feel the right weight, the right size, the perfect ones. He put them in his pouch and walked out armed with nothing but his sling. Goliath gave his challenge, but here's what David said. You come against me with sword and shield, but I come in the name of the living God, and this day you will be killed, and you will be food for the vultures. And David took the stone from the pouch, the most perfect one that he found, put it in the sling, and sent it over his head, slinging with supernatural power, beyond his physical ability, because God carried that stone. And the Bible tells us that the stone not only hit him in the forehead, it sunk into his head. And Goliath fell face down. And when the Israelites saw the work of God, and when they were reminded what powerful faith can do, when they saw this, suddenly they were no longer visual participants of this drama full of fear. And on the opposite side, the Philistines were struck with terror. Their secret weapon, their giant, their, their champion was dead. And they started to run. And the Israelites went in pursuit of them because one young man had faith. One young man stood for God. One young man knew God in the depth of his being. One young man was willing to step out and face the giant. And suddenly, the giant was gone. No longer the threat. God took care of the giant. And David was a champion.
So what goes into the making of a hero? You know, oftentimes we, we, we love heroes because we idolize them and we look up to them, but we know the heroes in our world fall one by one because their humanity catches up with them. And David was no different. He was, <laughs> he had his problems. We all know his story, but this is the beauty of it. Because the Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. It shows the great victories, but the Bible also shows the human side of each of us because it doesn't, doesn't sugarcoat it. That, that, I want you to take courage in this because you can be a hero because God is your God and he cares about you. So what goes into the making of a hero? Well, we've already seen in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Saul had been unfaithful and Israel needed a new king. And Samuel, the prophet, was sent to Jesse. Samuel was terrified of what Saul would do, but God said, I've got you on this. And Samuel goes to Jesse, and as he's walking up, he sees Eliab, the oldest son of Jesse, Tall, strong, black, long hair. Looked like the perfect person. And God said, no, that's not the one. And then, after the second son and the third son were rejected, the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Each son in succession and as we heard earlier, Samuel said, is there anyone else? Do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, well, <laughs> there's David. Uh, David's a shepherd boy. He's not fully grown as a man yet. And this is what we learn. The Lord doesn't see things the way we see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Who we are. What we're made of. God, God is in the process of developing each one of us. Making us into something more than what we are today. God is <laughs> calling us a work in progress because he sees the finished product before we ever get there. He knows the heart. So I couldn't think of a better way to see the heart of David than to look at the 23rd Psalm. This, to me, David wrote when he was a boy, a shepherd boy. And so we, we read this. The Lord is my shepherd. Now he knew what, what it was to be a shepherd. He knew what it was to take care of a flock. And he's seeing God the Father as his shepherd, the perfect shepherd, the all-powerful shepherd. He says, I have all that I need. I don't need more than God. He, ca he cares for me. He gives me meaning and purpose and life. He, he leads me, or he lets me rest in green meadows, and, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. You know, when we take time, to spend time with God, he, he gives us this peace that passes understanding. When we really 
just put aside all of the shiny things in the world and take time just to be with him, he gives us this peace. I, I find that being ADD myself, I have to, I have to intentionally, after I get up, and I, I do take care of Marley first. Uh, he's got to take care of his needs. But after that, I put on praise music to get myself focused. Because that gets my mind in the zone. And I put on praise music, and then I move into my devotional time. But I take time to just immerse myself. I've got a special place where I sit, where I can watch the sun rise in the morning. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Friends, if you are not taking time to let God lead you beside peaceful streams, you are missing out on what will give um, meaning to the day that follows. He renews my strength. I mean, who doesn't get tired? But, but there's emotional strength as well. It's not just physical strength. It's the emotional strength, the ability to bounce back after disappointments and struggles. We all face them. He guides me along the right paths and bringing honor to his name. <laughs> this world is full of minefields, right? David recognized that God directing his steps put him in places for success, put him in places to avoid pitfalls and struggles that, that Satan, the enemy, would like to put us in. Being connected with God gives us direction. And then he says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear. I'll not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Have you ever practiced the presence of God? Driving along and you, you have him in the passenger seat next to you or, or just send up a dart prayer or, or whatever, that he's right there. He's always right there with us. To be aware of his presence is a continual prayer. And he says, for you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Boy, I'll tell you, I've, I don't know about you, but I've had some real disappointments and some real struggles in my life. And there have been times where I've come into the zone where either God sent somebody into my life to comfort me at the right time, or God himself just held me and gave me peace and comfort. See, friends, in the world we're living in today, it is an intentional pursuit that we must make in order, in order to have God active in our life. We have to be active with him. And, and we get... I mean, we get so distracted and overwhelmed with all this stuff, and yet God is right there wanting us to just turn around and see him. And then he said, you prepared a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Your, um, your honor, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. For, for you guys, you young ones just starting out, God has so many blessings in store for you. 
And for us who have a few decades on us, we can look back and see different places where God has blessed us. And I look back at my life, and from where I started off, my life is a miracle. And one of the greatest miracles is I'm okay with who I am. I like myself because of what God has done in me, and he's not done yet because I'm going to keep getting better because God does that. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will follow me or pursue me, pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That sense of eternity that David understood eternity with God. To know where we're going. You know, we all started in different places. But where God is leading us is all to the same place. That's something to celebrate. That's a good thing. So, when you come off of the sidelines to follow Jesus, a giant will appear. It just happens. I think maybe that's why we like to feel comfortable on the sidelines in the church. We, we want to just kind of be observers. We want to just kind of participate and feel good for a minute and then walk out the doors and then life continues. But but God wants us to actively participate in his life, in the life that he has planned for us because that giant will appear. But if the church, and think about this, because we have basis for understanding this, if the church is standing on the sidelines, our God may send a child to defeat the giant that paralyzes grown-ups. I hope you children understand how important you are. Because as the time of Jesus' return gets closer, God is going to be working with young people who are courageous, who are faithful, who are filled <laughs> filled with hope and don't know that it can't be done. Don't know that it can't be done. Because God can do incredible things through ordinary people who say yes. Yes, uh, it, 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 the scripture tells us, and a little child shall lead them. You see, in David's lineage was Jesus. Jesus was born into this world as a little child. He came into this world to do battle with a giant. Jesus came into the world with faith and courage to take on the giant. And like the Israelite forces who are on the sidelines, we are Jesus' people, and as we watch our Jesus' work in this age, we can cheer and take courage and be heroes one and all because we have Jesus as our Savior. And Jesus defeated the enemy. And Jesus is the one that is going to take us home. Friends, hear the good news. Jesus is victorious. The giant is defeated. We can live and joy and security and the knowledge that 
He knows each of us by name. And He, He is our hero that will never fall and never fail. And all the people said, Amen.